G'day and welcome to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. Our guest today is Dominique Lamb. Her previous role was that of CEO of the National Retail Association. She advocated in that role in multiple areas of policy at both a federal and state government level. For instance, she played an integral role in the development of the federal leasing code throughout the COVID lockdown period. Before this, Dominique was the director of NRA Legal, providing industrial relations and employment law advice. She's been recognized for her outstanding contribution to industry with multiple awards and finalist nods. Thanks again for supporting the podcast and we'll hand over to Dominique. Dominique, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I'm, I'm glad that you've had the opportunity and, and very happy and quite fortunate to have you on the podcast. I know how busy you are and this, this is going to be definitely an interesting conversation around your leadership pathway. So let's go to the beginning, your leadership and its beginnings. Can you give us a bit of a sense of what that looked like? Look, I think that um, the beginnings of my leadership probably started a long time before, you know, I was ever known in industry or, or even had a role like a, you know, a CEO or anything like that. So sort of as a kid, um, you know, I was uh, lucky enough that I got to travel quite a bit as a, as a child and it was mainly domestic. You know, my dad lived in Melbourne, my mum lived in Sydney, so I would go between sort of the states and things like that. Um, I always had an interest in leadership and, you know, had been a school captain, um, amongst other things, had done lots of public speaking, was always sort of involved in charity work and sort of always just walked to the beat of my own drum. And so I think a lot of it, to be honest with you, came from you know, the people that were raising me and, and primarily my um, Dutch grandmother who was lovingly referred to as the general. And so I just think that there was never an option in our family. The expectation was that, you know, you had opinions and that you, you know, sort of did the right thing and you didn't follow anyone. So I think that it was, you know, sort of just a product of my environment and, and who I was exposed to at a very young age. That, that thank you for that it's an interesting response because it'll get to one of the questions later about the nature versus nurture and why people choose to go into leadership roles so the the uh, step from having the familial environment that helped you um, on that pathway when you got into your first professional leadership gig was the thought process there this just is a natural fit or could you see yourself not being in a leadership role and, and taking the lead? Like, is was there that, uh, I don't know if, if the word is um, dissonance there, where you were thinking, yeah, I can't be the follower, I need to be the leader. Was that something that was prominent for you? I think for me, it sort of ebbed and flowed depending on where I've been in my development professionally. So I think, you know, when I first sort of got out of university, there was certain, uh, certainly an expectation at my end that, um, you know, I, I had a very clear view as to where I would go and what that would look like. And it was certainly working my way through the legal profession to get, you know, to certain heights, whether that was to be a barrister, whether it was to be a partner. And so the intention was always to kind of do the work to be, um, you know, valued enough to be appointed to something or, or to a role like that. Um, but I think as I found my way, you know, through law, and I sort of saw what that looked like. I also became very aware that 
you know, as I, as I said before, there is a certain need to do the work, right, before you're, um, or, you know, in my mind, before I felt like I was worthy enough to take on that role. So interestingly, when you said um, something along the lines of, um, you know, did I kind of take to the leadership role? I actually didn't at all. What I did do is tell them, you know, when the NRA first came to me to take on the head of legal role, I said to them, you need to find someone else. I actually absolutely decided that I, I didn't feel like I was ready to take that leap. And I certainly didn't feel like I was ready um, to lead a team. However, as the conversations with them progressed, I decided that I had nothing to lose. Um, and I sort of pushed myself into that role, regardless of the fear factor that came with it. And I think the thing about making some of those decisions is if you're not a little bit nervous and there's something wrong, right? And some of the best outcomes that I've ever had have been when I've been absolutely terrified um, of an outcome and it almost drives you not to fail. Um, so for me, it was, um, you know, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but absolutely that imposter syndrome was really alive and well. And for both times, right? So both from going from, you know, your general legal practice into the head of legal role for National Retail Association. But then the same thing happened again when the board came to me and said, would you like to be the CEO? I felt exactly the same way. I gave them a number of names and said, you should find someone else. So it was really about, I think, the mentoring aspect and the people around me at that time that said, you know what, we know you're not perfect, but we will support you and we will help you on this road um, to make you a better leader. And I think the thing is that you know, regardless of your role, you're always learning, right? So you're never going to have perfect days every day, but it's about sort of how, you, how do you embrace those challenges and what do you do to become a better leader and to consistently um, learn? That's, that's an interesting response and it, it keeps reinforcing in my mind that the most effective leaders that uh, you'll encounter in a, in a career and not just from a paid perspective, but even in that world of volunteering that the best one sorry the most effective one this is just an opinion right um is around being a self-reflective practitioner and whilst you're describing that you were hesitant to take the role and you had other people in mind to take that ceo role there, there would be there would have been i would assume and please correct me if i'm wrong some some thinking about who is going to be the best fit for the role which may not necessarily have been you at the time now i preface all that by saying you were probably the best candidate to the people that wanted you to take the role but you got in your own way and i i, I hear that quite a bit and i think it's quite a human thing to be um a bit uh what's what's the word a bit hesitant to take that next step because you, you'll never think you're 100 percent ready does that does that ring true for you I think so, but I think also for me, it was the weight of the responsibility. So I knew that my success or ability to do that role well meant, you know, ensuring the livelihoods of 35 staff at the time. So, so I felt the weight of the people that I wanted to make sure had jobs and, you know, could have them longer to the future and the financial stability of that organisation. And you've got to remember that, being a lawyer, look, you know, absolutely, you're, you're often, you know, very analytical and you're taught a whole raft of skills, but, you know, we are not known for doing financial literacy. Like, we are not known for understanding numbers, right? Like, words, yes, like performing, absolutely. But, you know, that financial component of becoming, you know, a business operator or a business leader is, is actually a very, very big jump. And I think for me, 
I was I was aware of what skills I lacked, um, but luckily I was able to sort of lean into a very supportive board that were able to provide me with the support to grow those skills. Yeah, that that's um, it's good to have that, particularly when it's someone else tapping you on the shoulder to take the next step up, because uh, obviously they've done their own uh, due diligence to pick you to do the role. So, well. Well, I can say it's well done for seven years ago. I'm sure it was a fantastic role. But let me ask you, and I should have asked you this a bit earlier, how do you define leadership? Oh, look, you know, it's funny. Uh, over the years, I've sort of looked and thought about that long and hard. And, you know, the thing that resonates with me is a little bit unusual. Um, there is a, a very well-known author that writes about dog packs, funnily enough. Um, and he's from the United States, you know, he's been on a number of television shows talking about, um, you know, what it's like to own dogs, when dogs act up, et cetera. But reading one of his books, he talked about um, leaders in dog packs and what that actually looks like. And what he pointed out was that the leader or the alpha in a dog pack is often the dog that is the leanest and the one at the back, ensuring that the weakest can still continue to go. And they make a lot of sacrifices. And often I think, that is absolutely right about most of our, our good leaders in society. They are the ones making unseen sacrifices to ensure the benefit of others, um, often at the sacrifice of themselves because they're in it um, to either achieve a goal or to make sure that the right thing is done, but they're committed to an outcome. Um, and I think I think that that component of sacrifice is is an element that we don't talk about with our leaders we just expect that they sort of appear and that they're there and that they're ready um but what actually occurs is um you know there is there's an extraordinary amount of work that goes into being a leader particularly a good leader and making sure that no one's left behind yeah that that um made me have sort of an image in my head it's not just the person who's at the front that's saying it's this way it's often the people in the back that are doing those jobs that need to get done or, or watching out for, as you said, I think the analogy is a good one, the weakest in the pack to make sure that the pack stays together. And um, it, it talks to the idea that you brought up before about the weight of responsibility when you take on a role like a CEO's role. And I, I can hear that coming through quite strongly in you that that's, uh, that's something that you worried about. And I think you wouldn't be human uh, if you didn't. What, what I'd like to ask you next in relation to that definition of leadership, which was a good one, any particular leader capabilities that you think are critical to be an effective leader? Um, I think that you have to have the ability to listen. Um, and I think a lot of the time that is often lost because people get so busy or they form a view or they have a perspective before they go in somewhere. But the reality is often you know, it is leadership that changes more often than not than actually the structural changes in an organisation. Um, and I think it's important to listen to the people that have been doing the job for a very long time and understand their pain points and, you know, the real experiences of actually being in an organisation. Um, but then at the same time, ensuring that there is sort of an equal measure of being a visionary, because I think that, um, you know, all leaders have different personas and they bring different things at different times. And it's important for any organisation, you know, no matter what it is, to go through those phases and to have different leadership, to take them to different levels and to different places and to explore that. But I think that it's important that it's absolutely never done at the sacrifice of, you know, the people that are the ones that make everything happen. Um, so, 
you know, a little bit of that people element, certainly the listening factor, but, you know, being a visionary is incredibly important. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, let me move on to current leadership issues. If you had to identify something in the world that you've worked in, in particular in your current role, what what's a current leadership issue that you think is critical that we need to be addressing or at least engaging with? Well, I think that it's um, certainly within the small business um, community of Queensland. Like if you look at there's 478,000 of them across Queensland and, you know, depending on whose definition, but if you talk to the ATO, it's about 920,000. Um, I think for small businesses, many of them find themselves thrust into the position of leadership um you know, by nature of either becoming sole trader or having a great business idea or or just, you know, accidentally landing on something that is, is doing particularly well. And I think that part of that is that there is certainly a lack of education around some of the business basics, um, certainly at that small business level, because, you know, that, that weight of responsibility is really big. And if you can't get those basics right, particularly around financial literacy or digital literacy or, or just simply setting up or getting your house in order so that it is, you know, viable and structurally sound so that you can use it as your base, um, then that's where we sort of see the fractures in the leadership later on. So I think that it is about making sure that no matter what sort of size business you're in, that you have that stable foundation. And often that means knowing when to ask for help and knowing when to seek advice. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And it's a um, little scary that you've got that many small businesses propping up the economy. They're quite an important part of uh, why we function as, a, as an economy, that a key issue is those fundamental basics of running uh, the business and hence why you're in the role that you're going to try and um, address some of that. So uh, best of luck to you. Look, uh, one uh, um, addition to that previous question, and oh, I know you might be sick of discussing the topic, but I need to bring it up as we're sort of transitioning. If you believe we're transitioning to a post COVID workplace, mm -hmm. have you seen some changes in the business environment? So you're interacting in from a leader perspective do you think there's been an impact on our leadership as we've gone as we're coming out of COVID and what what in these sort of initial um, early stages of, of a post-COVID world what what does that look like to you? I think um, certainly from a, a business leader's perspective there is very much a push to sort of move into the future and move forward and to forge ahead in what has been a very difficult time. And I think that, um, you know, whilst unusually business confidence is down despite, you know, the actual strong economic results from many of our business community at this time, um, there is this sort of need to get to high ground quickly. And so I think that um, the desire to forge ahead quickly um, is something that we are seeing a lot of, but at the same time, there is an emerging frustration about it not being quick enough or not being able to get to this perceived place of where it's going to be more stable, it's going to be better. And I think a lot of that is the fear of, of what we've just experienced. You know, it is very unpredictable. You know, we went from being in a reasonably stable environment that had been stable for a very long time to experiencing things that many may never see again or hopefully never see again in their lifetime and, and absolutely had not happened before, um, especially in places like Victoria where there were such prolonged lockdowns. So I think that um, there is an urgency 
And the problem with urgency is that sometimes we see decisions being made that aren't necessarily good for long term. Um, and so I think, you know, what we need to see is probably more a more considered approach in terms of what methods or um, paths we're taking um, to get to wherever we think we need to be. Yeah, that that's um that has some significant uh, implications if you take what you're saying to that next level. And look, nobody had the right template to deal with COVID in their business. It, it's, I think when the discussions are had, and I can understand why people go down this pathway that some businesses were more agile and, and were more easily, um, more easily rode the worst of it. And some didn't, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that those that didn't do so well, that it was because of a lack of some planning or a lack of foresight on their part, this, this hit everyone quite quickly and, and nobody really knew how to engage. And it's going to be interesting what, what um, pathways, as you suggested, or what, what methods people are going to use to get back to some, some sense of normality. Does that, is that, is that where, what you're hearing from the business community, especially from its leaders that, we don't have a sense of a new normal yet. And I hate that term, but, but it's anyone that came to mind. Is, are you hearing a bit of that? I'm hearing um, that, but also there is a real sense of exhaustion because you've got to remember, you know, we sort of got out of COVID and then there were some significant weather events that happened, especially in Queensland, and that have continued to happen. So for many of these, um, particularly small businesses, it has just been sort of hit after hit after hit. And even though, you know, the market is buoyant and they're, they're saying to us, we've got, you know, we've got wait lists, we've got lots of work on. Um, you know, the prospect or the almost the barrier to growth, you know, in terms of finding staff or, um, you know, dealing with deferred rents that they owe or dealing with the tax office, all of these things are sort of beginning to significantly weigh upon them. And so I think it, probably in answer to your previous question, that prevalence of mental health within business owners and business leaders and it coming to the forefront and them choosing to um, really act upon it or, or to take some um, steps in order to alleviate some of those stressors is probably not um, where it needs to be at this time. And I think, you know, when we think about that sort of COVID period and all of those other natural disasters, I think what I am seeing from certainly leadership is that there is absolutely a like a, they recognise that there is a significant amount of trauma also in the market. So there are approaches that are becoming different, but in saying that there's also a lag in terms of being a bit shy to make some of those decisions that we would have seen them make much quicker before. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Look, Dominique, I, I want to ask you the question that you covered a little bit at the start of the podcast around the nature versus nurture. So are leaders born or are they made? I think they're born, which probably is very controversial. I think that, um, you know, I, I think that they are born and I think that in many respects, most people have the capacity to be a leader. But as I said, I think it ebbs and wanes depending on the circumstance that you're in. Um, but I think that uh, also that there is obviously an element to that nurture and how prevalent it is sort of within you and, and sort of a, you know, a more of a propensity to go about your life leading. But more and more I see people that... Um, you know, are born into terrible circumstances, have had these, you know, extraordinary stories 
um, or existences. And then it has been the choice to become a leader or to become a business owner that has actually been the defining factor in the change in their life. Um, and so I, I do think that they are born, and but sometimes they take a while for the leader to be born, if that makes sense. So they always have the capacity. It's just whether or not they've chosen to tap into it. Um, and once they do, typically we see them flourish, especially if they're resilient and especially if they've sort of weathered a lot um, before taking that big step. Yeah, interesting response. And no, not not controversial. I don't, I, I, I in my heart of heart of heart, sorry, believe there is no right answer to that. Myself personally, I think it's a mix of the two, born and made because I've experienced that in my um, career as um, as limited as mine is compared to many others. But I, I think that, um, yeah, the, this idea that there's some people you meet during a lifetime of work that, that have a, um, a, some some combination of, of capabilities that just make them very good at the leadership process. Uh, but as you said, and, I, and I'm a big believer of what you said at the start of the podcast, leadership is a choice. And some people may never um, choose that that pathway and might be very good leaders, but others will choose it and need some help along the way and, and sort of everything in between. So final question for you, um, looking back on your leadership journey, if you could go back to a younger version of Dominique, what would you say to yourself about being a more effective leader? Um, what would I say to myself? That's a really hard question. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I'd probably just say keep going. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think that, you know, there's a certain element of like right place, right time. And, and, you know, you can call it the universe, you can call it whatever you like, but I think at the end of the day, sometimes those skills develop because you need them and because you're in, in, in those particular situations. Um, and the other thing I'd probably say is, you know, trust your gut on, on most things, because I think that when you do something for long enough, you, you do you do really start to read the rhythms um, of, of how things operate. Um, and it's about backing yourself. Dominique, that's a fantastic way to end the podcast. Thank you for your time, mate. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Dominique for joining us on the podcast today and sharing her insights as part of her leadership pathway. Thanks again for joining us. Please help us build the channel by either liking or subscribing. Have a great week and look after yourselves and we'll catch you on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.